This is a podcast from Rover. This podcast is brought to you by ex-TV3 newsreader Neil Walker. Where on earth is that man gone? G'day there. Duncan Hyde, Jay Reeve here. Not for radio. Good to have you tuned in. Appreciate you for choosing us. Um, we chew through every swear word that we're allowed to put into a podcast yesterday. And uh, yesterday's podcast, so we'll try and keep it to a minimum today. Shit. Uh, well, ironically, yesterday was the most downloaded podcast we've ever had, so thank you <laughs> to all of you that listened to it. Fucking legends. <laughs> we might have to ramp it up. Yesterday we actually had this chat about flies and how massively punishing they are. Um, if you missed it. The flies have a, a max altitude here. Like, if you live sure. high up, are you above the fly belt? Great point. Fucking great point. It's summer. It's hot. You got the windows open. Have you got a fly problem in the sky? Twenty floors up. So a great mm. message th- uh, through to the Rock Drive Facebook from Hugo. We've got an answer. We tried to Google it on the fly. Didn't get one. Yeah. Uh, Hugo Kenned uh, Texan. Hey team, just listen today to today's Not for Radio pod. I live ten stories up, and in summer, never saw a single fly in the apartment. It's not bad. Tense, worth paying the extra to go 10 floors up to get away from flies. Side note, you know how global warming seems to be a thing? No shit. Do you think that all of the rich people that have houses on the coastline and at beaches and stuff, which are going to be exposed to global warming, they reckon the next 30 years or whatever, are just going to whack them on stilts and let the tide lap underneath them? Or do you lose your land? I would say, judging by how the rest of the world is kind of dealing with this, is just putting return walls in. So they're kind of like a skateboard ramp leaning up against the front of their house. So when the waves come in, it bounces back on itself, turns it over like a snowplow. Does that fuck the beach? Well, the beaches are poked anyway. They generally get fairly scoured out. There's so many. Don't even get me started on this. You reckon I should buy a coastal property? 100%. (laughs) All right. Yes, financial advice with Jay Reeve. <laughs> Once again, don't take it. Hey, um, just quickly, uh, for those that don't know, bring them up to speed with your uh, sternum mm. and the absolute rigmarole that must, what are you, like eight or nine weeks <sighs> into this journey now? Yeah, it's dragging its ass. So basically, long story short, I had a xiphistinectomy, uh, which is your xiphoid process, which is basically your sternum. Mine protruded out. Like a unicorn's horn. And like somebody has pointed out, you can never take the horn off a unicorn. Um, <laughs> and basically, I, I it's really annoying when you surf. It just basically rubs against your surfboard and would become uh, like a bulbous bottlenose dolphin. It was horrendous. And then from there, the intercostal muscles, which go in between your ribs, would then start to tighten up and ache, and it made it hard to breathe. It was a bastard. Mainly, this all came down, because everyone's like, how did it happen? Well, I used to surf a lot, and then I moved to the city, and I don't surf bugger all. And as a result, my back muscles wasted away, and now I paddle like an alligator running into the water <laughs> off a mud bank. And so it's fucked me. And so I went in and got put on elective surgery pre-COVID, and they snuck me in and said, two years later, they're like, here's, here's, your, here's your window, jump in. So they basically cut out my sternum, take, took off all of the cartilage, took away the bone, and then I got a staph infection in it. And so I had to go back in. They basically cut a massive hole in my chest, jammed in a big oil filter, and they have had a suction a suction unit on it, drawing it back up. But because it's in my chest, it's done through the cardiothoracic team. <clears throat> cardiothoracic team, which is the heart surgery team. Because they do this all the time, run the reciprocating saw straight up through your rib cage, peel it open, and work on your heart. So I've got this incredible heart surgeon that's been, been doing the surgery. 
is the rationale and behind me getting the staph infection because there was a little bit of dead tissue there, got some blood around it when I went surfing in the States and as a result spread it around, fucked it. Um, but was talking to him when he was changing out because it's slowly getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was talking to him while he's basically just poking his fingers into, inside my chest. And I said to him, what's the longest operation you've ever done? And he's like, just a shade, um, just a shade over 23 hours on the trot. And I was like, wow, Shit. was that a heart replacement? Like, a, you know, like a switcher. And he's like, no, nah, it was rebuilding someone's aortic artery. Basically, because it's not your aorta doesn't just it's not just the pipe that comes out of your heart. It runs down and feeds a whole bunch of uh, ventricles and um, blood vessels and capillary veins that go off of it. Damn, that's uh, hard out. Hard out. And I said to him, "How do you how do you stay um, how do you stay alert and awake for that long?" And he's like, "We have uh, like not additives, but they have some stimulants. Amount. Stimulants. I'm not going to say that they're taking meth, but I would say that there is a certain amount of methamphetamine that goes into the body to keep them focused. And um, no, I would ha- I would hazard a guess uh, that that's what they would do because it's the only thing that can actually keep you functioning at that level for that length of time. Jesus, this is a sweeping generalization yeah. of all heart surgeons. Yeah, not enough to make you horny and want to pump the patient. You know, not that amount, of, not that amount of gear in your system, but enough of it. And I was telling my barber about it, and he was like. Um, imagine, imagine that if you were to uh, be that that teed up and have a heart attack when you were on the job, and then they had to do the blood tests. Then it comes out in the in the wash. And funnily enough, I know a guy's uh, a guy whose father blew his heart to smithereens whilst in a tryst with some sex workers in Bali. Was he cheating on his wife? Nah, he'd already separated. He was an absolute ratbag of a human, lived a crazy life and blew his ticket to smithereens while he was on the job, um, massively drug-induced as well. Do you think you can actually blow a hole in the side of your heart? I reckon you could. If You, you could probably put one, you know, like basically... Oh, a, man, that's pretty much what happens to all wrestlers when they get old, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> It's like, it's like throwing a rod, you know, just chuck a piston straight through the casings. But he was he was talking about it as well, and he goes, uh, a couple of times, a couple of times he's been having rather large nights, and he's come home empty-handed, only to put something in his hand. And he's like, I've, I felt my heart, like, going flutter a little bit. And he's like, oh, here we go. And he has to reach up and start deleting what's on his screen of his computer that he's watching, and he's like trying to get through the... Uh, you know, you don't want to be co- plop, popping your clogs while you're ripping one out. Yeah, uh, which led us into this chat about a friend of ours. I'll say his name, Blade Taps, um, and he was he came home from a massive night as well. He was staying with his parents because he's a shambles of a human. Yeah, we could do a po- we actually should get him in for a not for radio podcast because all of his chats are fucking not for radio, but he's great. Yeah, okay. Uh, and anyway, okay, he came home was staying with his parents and. Uh, was feeling slightly amorous, so started to barbecue alone on the couch in the living room watching the big screen TV that his parents had. Old boy massive into footy. He's got like a 65-inch TV. This is like a danger wank, isn't it? Massively. And so he's absolutely skinning the lizard and pants around his ankles and basically capitulates uh, on a rolling porn screen and passes out. And then wakes up first thing in the morning and sort of the splitting headache, massively hungover, and he's like, oh, my God, Jesus creepers. He looks like a plaster his radio. <laughs> he's made an absolute mess of himself. Uh, dick in hand, pants around his ankles. Um, and he's like, oh, Christ, I better get, this, better get this situation sorted out before my parents come out. He looks to the left of him, and lo and behold, there is a hot cup of tea 
that has just been placed down oh. the side. No one in the room, but obviously his mum, oh. mum or dad's woke up in the morning and walked down and gone, good morning, how Oh, Jesus Christ, all right, I'll make you a cup of... <laughs> just popped it down. What do you say when you walk in and you look your mum in the eyes? You're probably just saying, oh, mate, just hey, what, it's only natural, mumsy. What a level of disappointment. Not only are you living at home and you're 25, uh, but that's the sort of ca- carry-on that you're doing. Does that frighten you, knowing that your kids might be with you until they're 25? There's no way that they'll be with me till I'm 25. As soon as they're 18... Changing the locks, good call. Nah, selling all my shit and I'm just going to live on a catamaran and travel around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way of doing it. Yeah. Hey, uh, just to circle back yeah. uh, to the long operations, Dr. Mm. John, when he first started out, reckons that... They would be doing like, say, a heart surgery and then it would be going so long and he was smoking at the time, he'd be like, oh, just popping out to have a ciggy break and then would like literally hang his head out of the Dunedin Hospital window, like seven stories up, pump a dart, flick it out there and then go wash hands, glove up again and get back into it. It wouldn't surprise me. I asked my um, heart surgeon what it was like to change out a ticker because a friend of mine, their mother passed away and when they make the call, like – like you don't, you're a donor on your license. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck knows what they'll get out of me. They'll uh, find some stuff. Someone might need some callousy skin or. Yeah, well, I was thinking about that because it's like they take your lenses out of your eyes and everything. I'm like, my eyes are pretty good, but they'll be cooked by the time that they come out. Every part of me would be cooked. But they basically had a team on my friend's mother who was incredibly healthy, had a brain aneurysm, so everything in her body was usable basically. And there was a team of 30 people standing by as the family uh, said goodbye and then turned the machine off. And then they were kind of moved out of the room. And it was they said it was like a Formula One freaking pit change on wow. their sides. Yeah. And so with a the heart, there's somebody waiting for the heart and they're getting prepped in advance because you get told there's a heart that's kind of coming on. Um, and, uh, and he said, yeah, heart, a complete heart transplant takes like four or five hours. It's not too bad. I thought that was really fast. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I know you're not going to know the answer to this because chances can... are I will because okay. I'm a doctor. So you're doing a heart, you're chucking a new heart in. Yes, and then you cut the old one out. You start. You want to know which one we start with? No, but you can tell me. For okay, what. so you start with the the blood flow that goes to the brain first, that pumps to the brain first, because you've got basically return and send, you know, whatever it is, mm. in and out. And so they hook up that one first so that it is pumping. Do they the hook brain. it up to um, a mechanical pump while they're stitching all up before they get it going again? Yeah, they basically, it's like, it's. Um, he said, have you ever played with uh, hoses when you're just basically chucking fittings on them and jamming them in a <laughs> I was like, I love it, you're making it sound this simple. And he's like, it is pretty simple because there's not a hell of a lot to it. Yeah, but so let's say around your aorta, for example, yeah. you change it out and then you stitch up the aorta from the new heart to the old aorta in your body. Yeah. Let's say it's on me. Uh, you're obviously doing a lot of small stitches because you don't want that thing to spring a leak, but you're chucking some super glue around that. You don't want that pissing out all through your internals, or are you just hoping it clots fast? No, nah, duct tape. Massive uses yeah, of duct tape. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it sticks around for quite a while. Is, you reckon it's that stuff that you see on the ad when there's like a leaking bath and yep. they just slap it on? Bang. And then... Look at that. No more leak. Look at that. Punch a hole in the side of the fish tank. This bloody thing goes over top of it. Makes sense. Not it's... for radio. With Jay and Dunk. Very impressive stuff. Would you ever do a celebrity boxing match? One million percent. You would? A hundred percent. I was supposed to do one once against my old co-host before he was my co-host, and then I was like, yep, Keen. And then I drove past, and he was outside of the pub punching a dart and having a uh, pint when we were supposed to be training. I was like, well, fuck, that's not happening. <laughs> that's, that's when you double down and you go, I'm going to eat this person. 
No, he wouldn't have. It's, uh, people like the idea of it, but some people aren't cut out to be punched in the face. I don't think I would be. Have you seen the um, new thing in the States? Uh, it's probably been going on for a while, but they get YouTube stars to fight each yeah. other. Not just Jake Paul, but like legitimate just people with lots of followings because they know that the pay-per-views will sell. Yeah, this was this was off the back of Jake Paul's success, and, and they the numbers that they're pulling on these things are phenomenal. And everybody, it kind of goes with the whole adage of everyone's tough behind a keyboard, but how tough are you in real life? <laughs> and turns out some people are, and some people 1 million percent aren't. Yeah, this is in Tampa, Florida on Saturday night just been. There's a bloke called Nathan, dad as he's known on YouTube, um, fighting another guy, Matt Watson, not the famous New Zealand fisherman. He uh, knocked him out in 22 seconds. The 41-year-old dad knocked the 26-year-old out. The dad has 300,000 subscribers on YouTube. So the numbers start to work fairly quickly on the old mm. pay-per-views once you get people like that in there. Um, he's also an American actor, comedian, and singer who once reached the semi-finals on America's Got Talent, and he's fucking brutal in the ring. Have a listen to this. Storm. Oh, I love the hyper uh, commentary you get in mm. boxing and mixed martial arts. There's nothing else like it in sports. Yeah, I mean, it's not as slick as Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier or uh, any of the UFC guys. They actually have space for them to jump in and out, but... It was a 22-second blitzing. Is everyone's, it's the whole Mike Tyson thing. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> and, it, mate, it's amazing. And no matter how good you think you are at fighting, like I had this elevated, elevated opinion of myself as a fighter, mm. having dusted up through footy and school and parties and that sort of stuff. Mate, as soon as I started doing a bit of boxing training, I was, A, told by a former training partner of Mike Tyson that I was shit. Um <laughs> And secondly, I quickly realised how bad I was. I reckon I'll be shit. Like, like I'm, I'm the same now. And I, the thing is, because I'm so unfit, and let's say you were to get in the ring in a couple of weeks' time or whatever, once you start actually learning the craft and having to think while your aerobic levels are terrible and you're puffing and you have to like all this compute all this information, what you're doing, and then what the other person's doing, like just an absolute full drain mentally, eh? Yeah, it is. Uh, and I can tell you from experience, having tried to, even you try and punch somebody, say you're doing a two-minute round or a three-minute round fight, which is what these normally are, mm. just punch somebody continuously for one minute. And find out how gassed you are. Yeah. And then that's that's not even 50% of the battle. That's not even halfway there and you're poked. And that's not even with a person hitting you back. I um, did a couple of uh, boxing classes uh, during the off-season when I was living in Blenheim. And that's the still to this day the only form of exercise, more than CrossFit, that I've had a drenched T-shirt from top to bottom and then dripping off the bottom of, mm. of my T-shirt. I mean, that and sex. <laughs> for those of you who like a bit of naughty in your life, not for radio. <laughs> oh, there's a large number of people that are chuckling at the fact that you have sex with a T-shirt on. <laughs> oh, you know, when you got man boobs, you need to cover stuff up. Nah, man, I'm full nude. Not a hair on my body apart from my chin. Um, so this next bit, uh, we thought we'd do a bit of a funny for you. Um, Damien Power, you heard of him? He's a comedian. 
No. It's quite long, this piece. It's three minutes, but um, he's funny and uh, quite enjoyable um, being, a, being a father myself and just imagining what it would be like to be in this situation. You just go, fucking glad it's him and not me. I'm a single dad. My ex left me for a dude with a portion of pizza restaurant. It's, it's, it, I've, I've had to try his pizza. Which sucks. I had to actually try it. Like, he's this whole thing is making pizza. He's like, come over, try my pizza. It's amazing. So I went over there and he's like, so I got to try his pair of prosciutto pizza. It's incredible. And I uh, took a bite and he's like, oh, what do you think? And I was like, it's fine. <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to give him anything. You know what I mean? But on the inside, I was like, I would suck this dude's dick <laughs> for another slice. You know, it all makes sense now. We live in the same suburb. I live in the same suburb as my ex and the dude she left me for. Like, we live in the same suburb because it's best for my son, so I've got to run into... What a social nightmare. I run into them around. Like, the other day I was walking across the street with my, my, with my mate Dan. Over the other side of the street was my ex, the new guy, and my son all having dinner. And my son sees me and goes, Daddy! Daddy's here! Come over! <laughs> yeah, I know it's sweet, but he's not a fucking diplomat, is he? <laughs> Come over, Daddy! Get into this! Get into this social quagmire. Get in here. <laughs> and I'm with my mate Dan. Now, Dan's got honours in mathematics. Now, Dan, he's not autistic. <laughs> he's something, you know what I mean? I'm like, you stay here. We don't want you in the mix. So... I had to run over there and pretend I'm happy to see everybody because I'm a parent. I can't just go over and go, hey, buddy, good to see you and you two fuckheads. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> and you guys sitting there in his suit and he's talking about how he's opened up his third restaurant. He's got his Porsche parked out there and he's talking about his work and his businesses. And he goes, what are you working on? Because like, I had my notebook. I'd been writing with Dan. My notebook was open right there. He's like, what are you working on? And he looks over and it just says, suck his dick for another slice. <laughs> like circles. <laughs> And he pretends like he didn't read it. He's like, oh. You know how people do that, where they're like, oh. Too much to take in. <laughs> then my son sees Dan over the street, the mathematician. He's over, he knows Dan. Dan's over the road eating jelly beans. <laughs> he loves them. He's got his own tub he bought from home. I don't know why that's odd. There's something odd about that, isn't it? Just you're a grown man with your own tub of jelly beans. Just having a tub of jelly beans, all one colour, yellow, just one colour. He loves it. Dan's here, Dan, come over. Bring Dan. So he's like, now he's invited Dan. Great, bring Dan over. Get Dan into the mix. Dan walks over to the table, no social skills at all. He walks over and he goes, oh, hey, how come everyone's so awkward? He just says it as he sees it. And I'm so uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, who wants a jelly bean? to try and break the ice and Dan's like have one there's 27 <laughs> I'm a single dad my ex left me for a dude oh there we go we'll play that again <laughs> uh, very good um, I, th I think I said Dan Power before that's Damien Power Australian comedian um, and Dan's a real bloke he's actually uh, is his really good mate he's also a stand up comic and very very funny and they have a podcast together as well um, sounds like an absolute legend um, speaking of funny, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies have been knocked out of the NBA playoffs and a reporter is chatting to Stephen Adams at the press conference 
And most people will just be absolutely devastated, but not Stephen Adams. He's a cup half full. He sort of gets on with life. And the reporter brings up this weird thing called a Peabody uh, Duck Parade, I think it's called. And basically there's a hotel in Memphis where every day a bunch of ducks just walk through the foyer. And so it's a thing, like, people go and see them or whatever, and um, quite often they'll get a celebrity to be the duck master and, like, walk in front of them or whatever, and everyone will take photos. It's quite fun. Anyway, uh, the reporter brings it up again to see whether or not uh, Stephen Adams has checked it out. Before the season, I asked you uh, if you knew about the Peabody Ducks and you thought it was a hockey team. Did you ever get to go see the Peabody Ducks? Like, did you ever cross that off the list yet or no? No, are these those little marching guys out the hotel? Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't done it yet. I could be a duck master. I feel like you could. I feel like you got enough cash. Yeah, you're a grizzly, a starter. Yeah. Oh, th- is that a real thing? I thought you were bloody. Yeah, b- yeah. yeah it's, you could be a duck master. Yeah, there's like there's a guy who's like actually the duck master, God. and then they have honorary like celebrities, yeah. and, you know. Put that on the Tinder profile, eh, mate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah duck master, mate. Oh, everyone will be swiping right on that, mate. Yeah. He's just so different to what everyone out, like all the other athletes in America are like, eh? Everyone's, everyone's kind of quietly afraid of him because he just delivers everything so straight. It just is terrifying because he's such a massive, giant human. He's He is, um, he is investing heavily uh, into the New Zealand food uh, game here in New Zealand. Uh, he's got... A farm. He's got a kiwi fruit orchard. Um, he's enlisted in a bunch of, um, I think it's like different types of milk, uh, and, but is looking to fund uh, new initiatives for the food game because he reckons that New Zealand is miles ahead of the rest of the world in doing epic stuff. He's like people in the states don't even like to recycle. They don't even know what it is. Really? Yeah. He's like, New Zealand is the money. So he's making bank, tipping it back into the country here, enlisting uh, businesses and making jobs for people here. As well. He's doing a great job. Um, also cool donates heaps of his shoes uh, to people with enormous feet here in New Zealand. Because mm. very hard to get your um, hands on size 17 shoes. We should try and get some for tech producer Caleb because he's the only other person we know with stakes that big. We did give away some of Stephen Nam's shoes a couple of years ago on the radio show. And it turns out there's quite a lot of people with massive feet. Either that or they just wanted the shoes yeah. because Stephen Adams <laughs> yeah, is, I don't know, it was a great comp. Or <laughs> two blokes with fat heads. Not for radio. With Jay and Dunn. Uh, a couple of messages from uh, listeners across the globe. Michael Daly's message saying, just listen to Not For Radio. I'm sure this comes as absolutely no surprise, but my good buddy, when I was growing up, uh, well, he was a bit older than me, and he hated blind spot. Band here in New Zealand, great mm. rock band. Give them a Spotify if you haven't checked them out yet. Um, finally, one day I go, why do you hate Blindspot? He goes, oh, Shelton slept with my missus. <laughs> He's the drummer for Blindspot. I, I don't think that would be the most exclusive club for that fella either. I think there'd be quite a few people that he could catch up with and commiserate on that. So remember Shelton was saying there was some bloke uh, that's missus was having a birthday at uh, a Blindspot show and he walked up to Shelton and was like... <laughs> Hey, cuz, want to have a jam on my missus for a birthday? Just <laughs> try to hand over his missus. She's the weird shit that rock stars must get. Eh? He has got a he has got a cracking story about when he was at. I'm sure you won't mind me sharing this. He was in a relationship with Nikki Watson, who is uh, a model, and was married to Eric Watson, who's a multimillionaire. And they were now married to Pete Evans. Uh, yeah, she's now married for a weird bit of kit. Um, and they were out in the mansion that um, she shared with her former f- former husband, this massive mansion. Um, and at the time, 
she was also seeing Matthew Ridge, the former rugby union, rugby league star. It's a bit of a tryst. And uh, shouting the little cockroach had weaseled his way in there and was chipping away, putting in his best work. And Matthew Ridge walked in on them while he was uh, mid-pump, basically, on the job this with is outrageous. Yeah, pretty classic. Um, and I've only heard the the story recounted from uh, from Ridgie's side. Yeah. So I haven't even I haven't even heard Shelton. I'd love to hear Shelton's side of this. Anyway, so basically, as you know, full goes from passion to just fight or flight mode. Mm. And so he just jumps out of bed, uh, and because he thinks it's all on, because obviously he's just been caught banging Ridgie's missus, <laughs> oh, um, and goes. You want to fucking fight? And, and Richie goes, you've got no clothes on. And he's like, do you want to fucking fight? And he's like, put some clothes on and we can talk about it when you get downstairs. I'll just go and wait downstairs. Do you want a beer? He goes downstairs and he's like, what's going on? Are you really into it? If you're really into it, because I'm not really that into it, then you probably start up a relationship. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty into it. And then that's how their relationship began. Oh, my gosh. That is yeah. amazing. Imagine that, just full tattooed, be yeah, just dinner and a show with Shelton. Yeah, just a whole lot of tattoos and nothing but dick and ribs. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, Phil Clark, thank you for your message as well. Uh, this is through, you can message us anytime through the Rock Drive Facebook page. Uh, fellas, big shout out to you guys and the production team making my journeys to work feel like I'm wandering in a meadow made by God on a unicorn, especially when <laughs> the traffic is shit. However, I'm due to receive the delivery of my Tesla in the next couple of weeks, so I feel like I would get slated for that. So, am I still able to listen to you guys even though I'm getting a Tesla? 100%. The answer to that is fuck yes, Phil Clark. That's great stuff. They are phenomenal vehicles to drive and anybody that pisses on them has just never had the chance to be inside one. You do you, boo. Uh, anyway, he says, I'm after some advice. I live in the UK. My dad is Kiwi-born in Auckland and because of the majority of the UK are uh, uh, habited by dick doos and thick-cut <laughs> loaves voting for Brexit and also the country is run by a rule-breaking <laughs> tractor, uh, rule-breaking tractor lovers, I'm actually able to get a New Zealand passport. I've never been to New Zealand. The only thing I know that is you guys like trucks, fishing, hunting, and KFD and rugby. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Duck, there was a little chat we had on the... Kentucky Fried Duck. <laughs> a little chat we had on the radio show. Anyway, I digress. My question is, how would you sell New Zealand to me, and should I get a New Zealand passport from Phil in the UK? Phil in the UK, mate, it is... It is just everything that you love in the UK and none of the stuff that you don't like. That is exactly why people travelled from the UK to set up shop here is because it is a cornucopia, a utopia of everything that is great in the world distilled into uh, three major islands. I've been on uh, on planet Earth in New Zealand for 36 years and it still absolutely drops my jaw that we have the vast differences in landscape across New Zealand. Mm. Like when you go the west coast of the South Island is just out of this world and then you can go to Coromandel and it basically feels like you're in the Pacific well you are in the Pacific but um, on one of the Pacific Islands um, and then you can go through the uh, the arid landscape of uh, the desert road in the middle of the North Island which is just basically like being on the moon like it just varies so much and then throw in the mix of um, actual proper seasons that some countries don't even have um, and you get you can go you know snowboarding in the winter, surfing in the summer, all these things I don't do now because I've got kids. Uh, we're also <laughs> heavily in the heavily into the process of trying to weasel a way where we can send over a couple of kiwis 
uh, to not only the UK but also to Australia to pick up a couple of Australians and a couple of people from the UK that have never been to New Zealand and bring them back and uh, create an itinerary to go through uh, where you actually get to see the country um, and see the, the epic bits, not just the major centres. I think that just like anywhere, if you turn up, I mean, Auckland, uh, where the biggest international port in New Zealand is, where you fly into, I mean, it's it's okay, but it's definitely not New Zealand. Like, you don't go, oh, shit, I can't wait to get to fucking Auckland. You don't go, oh, I've seen the Sky Tower. I feel like I've seen it all now. Yeah. I might get on the plane and head over to the sunny coast. Uh, but you, if you, it's just the same as anyway. You go to, if you land in New York or you land in LA, it's, it's definitely not the States. It's just, it's a slice of it. It'd be like flying into London and going, oh, the UK's all right, bit grimy, lots of buildings, <laughs> lots of black cabs, and, just, uh, you know, people are okay. Just get your passport. Yeah. Just get your passport filled. Come have a fucking beer with us. Yeah. It's, um, we are trying to get a couple of people. So if you, it'll be exclusively through uh, the Not For Radio podcast too, that offering is what we're angling. So if you have never been to New Zealand and you're listening to this from another part of the world, we are trying our very best to get you here to experience it for yourself. Right. Well, that's been about 28-odd minutes. That's probably long enough. A reminder, if you do share the Not For Radio podcast on your sh- social media, um, tag us at The Rock Drive, um, and then you could be winning prizes from Year The Boys. Believe it or not, we've got some pinger slingers. We've got a whole bunch of bum bags made to <laughs> sling to all the people that go to festivals, and then COVID hit. So we've got fucking heaps of these. <laughs> so if you want a pinger slinger with Year The Boys written on it, uh, get sharing. We're going to sign off with... Bon Jovi won a Dead or Alive at the MTV Music Awards. Thank you for listening. Whatever you're up to for the rest of your day, have an absolute cracker. Hooroo.